Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern-day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Does viewing pornography biblically justify divorce? This is a loaded question. I do not believe I have the answer to it. But it is a question that many pastors are facing today in helping married couples through these horribly sinful times. Are divorce and remarriage ever permissible? This is not the question for this article. If you believe that divorce and remarriage are never permissible, then the question in the article title is moot. Many good people, knowledgeable people, differ on this point. And it really has nothing to do with being theologically left or right. In a set of articles in 1984, in Jerry Falwell's Fundamentalist Journal, J. Adams and Charles Ryrie took opposite positions on exactly this question. It was in a point-counterpoint series where Ryrie argued that it was never biblically permissible, while Adams argued that it was in certain circumstances. In an amazing twist of circumstances, three years later, Charles Ryrie's wife divorced him. Believing that divorce and remarriage were never biblically permissible, Ryrie chose to remain single the rest of his life, even though his wife married another man. Let's assume the most commonly held position is that when someone commits adultery, their spouse is biblically allowed, but not commanded, to seek a divorce. The real question is whether pornography use rises to the same standard as actual physical adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart, Matthew 5.28. For many, this is the answer. Viewing pornography is adultery, according to Matthew 5.28. Case closed, serve the papers, and get that creep out of here. But wait a minute. If that reasoning is correct, then any lust in the heart would allow for divorce. There is an inner thought life for every person that could be very scary to others. We must conquer sin in the mind, but lust is a sin that every man, everyone, must fight with the power of the Holy Spirit, and even more so in our ever more provocative world. But it is not just men. Every woman who reads and is sensually stimulated by a romance novel or movie would also be a divorce candidate. Jesus also said this, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Matthew 5.21 You also ought to take a look at 1 John 3.15 that calls anger murder. By this same reason, we could biblically justify executing people for hate in their hearts, which is a preposterous conclusion. The point that Jesus was making was not that lust is exactly the same thing as the sin of adultery, or that anger is exactly the same thing as murder. He was saying that heart sins are real sins too, and proving the point that we all have corrupt hearts. We can sin in our mind, and we must fight sin there in the power of the Holy Spirit. But pornography is more than a heart sin. It's between the two, between the heart and actual activity. It's hard to quantify how it is different, but instinctively and truly we know that it is. It is acting on lust that is greater than simply having lustful thoughts, but it does not rise to the level of actual physical adultery. Viewing pornography acts on sinful desires in a different way than just lust in the mind. 
And there are so many different ways in which it manifests that must be considered. There is a huge difference between someone falling into sin for a short period of time out of curiosity and the person who is deliberately and unrepentantly addicted to it for decades. And a person can be anywhere between those two extremes. The former seems a lot more like heart lust, while the latter seems a lot more like deliberate adultery. So is the answer yes or no? Well, viewing pornography does not automatically biblically justify divorce. I do know that some biblical principles do apply. God calls on all believers, according to 1 Corinthians 13, to love one another, which includes being long-suffering, bearing all things, and believing all things. Every believer ought to be motivated by love, especially for their spouse, rather than by humiliation or disgust. Many men who truly love their wives and are miserable in their sin feel trapped by pornography. For a remorseful and repentant husband, a compassionate wife who loves her husband and reaches out in love to him and to help him in such circumstances can be a powerful influence for good. There's only one person every believer must please. It is our Lord. That's the answer for every decision we face. Will this choice please my God? What people often want is for God to reluctantly allow us to do what we desire to do, even though he doesn't like it. That's not how God works. He does not bend his moral will to our desires when we want it bad enough. For the unrepentant, following a Matthew 18 process for church discipline would be a more biblical route than seeking to end the marriage in civil court. We also know that there are more severe biblical consequences for those that sin openly and include others in their sin than those who sin in shame and in private. Matthew 18.6 talks about putting a millstone around the, the neck of those that cause little ones to sin, or innocent ones to sin. When a pornography-addicted sinner is open about it, unrepentant, and showing it to others, he enters a different level of sin and a different level of consequences. There are certainly situations in which a wife might biblically separate from her husband for the sake of her own safety or for the sake of her children. 1 Corinthians 7.11 says, But if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. It might be that in some rare, severe situations this passage might come into play, but I'm still working through this idea. There are no easy answers here, but forgiveness, restoration, and victory are available to those who confess their sin, repent of it, and walk in the power of the Spirit. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend podcast.